You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas interrupted him and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've seen him. Philip said, okay, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The good news of Christ. So as I mentioned, this painting is uh, Andrei Rublev, a Russian artist from the 1400s is still available for viewing in a Moscow art gallery today, the original. And uh, it's a depiction of the hospitality of Abraham. Remember Abraham's three guests? And he shows them hospitality. And in showing them hospitality, he ends up entertaining God without knowing it. And so this picture that Rublev depicts of the Trinity uh, having a meal is a beautiful portrayal of God's hospitality because you see that there's this opening in the Trinity. There's this, there's this welcome, this sense of welcome that's in the very heart of God. And it's a portrayal of hospitality. Hospitality, if you define it from Webster, would be the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. And that's fair enough. But the biblical understanding of hospitality, there's, it's, there's a lot more costly element of creating gracious space for another. So it's not just having somebody over for dinner. It's not just, you know, having somebody stay in your home. Although, of course, that can be part of it and is an important part of it. But it's much bigger than that. It's much more expansive than that. And um, it's... It's literally a, a, uh, a posture that you have towards people, towards everybody you talk to. There's a, a sense of welcome, and there's space for you uh, in my life. It's, it, that's, it's, it's that gracious spaciousness, and it is costly because it means time. It means attention. They used to say about the great healing evangelist, Catherine Coleman, for all of her eccentricities that the thing that impressed me most that what I heard about her is that whenever you were with her, you felt like you were the only person 
in the world. That's the way that she treated. That's that gracious spaciousness. This is a Mother's Day card. I hope it's okay, Mom. I've shown the church what I sent you. But the moment that I set eyes on this, I said, that's Mom. That's my Mom. And I don't know if you can see it the, 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 with the lighting, but it's, it's a home. And it's, it's an open door. See the open door? And I don't know. I grew up with cats, so there's a cat there. Um, but I think there's something about mothering that uh, exudes hospitality. A mother is the one who welcomes us into the world and creates space with us for us in her very own body, first of all. And she nurtures us from her very own body from the beginning of our existence. What a remarkable gift. What a remarkable miracle. And I think that, that we, we're going to emphasize, of course, that mothering goes far beyond the physical and the biological today, but I believe that that physical, biological picture is so powerful and so profound. Because it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a picture of what a mother does with her life. She literally gives her life away for another. And that's pictured, of course, by the biological reality. When a child is conceived and comes into the world. But a mother gives her life away, especially those early years, to make space to create space for us. So thank you. I mean, that's, that's an amazing gift. So they nurture us with their bodies. They, and there's uh, both while we're in the womb and after we're born, they nurture us with their bodies. Now I want to give you some surprising images of, of motherhood in the Bible. The first is God is mother. And I don't have time to do a full, there are a lot of scriptures uh, through scripture that, that imply God's mother heart, his, his, his motherhood towards us. But I would say the most profound image of God's motherhood is uh, unless you are born of God, you cannot enter the kingdom. So God gives birth to us. That image is so powerful of God's mothering of us. Another surprising image for you might be of Jesus' mother. I'm surprised she didn't get in trouble for this because Julian of Norwich did a full treatise. God just did a download from heaven to her as she was an anchoress of this little church in England and in the 14th century, which ironically was the same time as this painting I showed you about from Russia. That painting came out the same time as Julian of Norwich was getting this download of Jesus' mother. Jesus, Jesus' mother heart towards us. And there were many images that she drew from with Jesus' mother. But her most profound image was that as a mother nurtures us with her own body, both before and after birth, so Jesus offers his body to us and nurtures us. And she sees that powerful nurturing of Jesus. And maybe the most surprising image of God of all in Scripture of motherhood is Paul. Now, Paul doesn't strike me as a mother that much, uh, does he? He's kind of one of these crusty old Jews, you think, you know, and kind of maybe from a patriarchal kind of background. What, 
But listen to his language that he uses to the Thessalonians. These, he loved these people so much. And he says to them, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Nursing mother. This wasn't a, a, a preschool mother. This wasn't a, a primary mother. This was a nursing mother that Paul is likening his leadership to. As a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but there it is again, our lives as well. What does a mother do? Shares not only her knowledge, her gifts, she shares her very life. And that's Paul saying he shared, he gave his life away for these Thessalonians. And I look around at all of you, but especially you women, whether you're biological moms or not, and I see women here, godly, who nurture, who give away your life to others so that they can have life. And you exude the heart of God in that. So again, thank you for showing us God's heart. So I'm going to invite just a beautiful mother in my life, Kathleen, to come on up. And I'm, I'm going to interview her and have her share a little bit, some stories. And uh, she's, I've watched her as an amazing mom to my children and, to, and now amazing grandma to my grandchildren, to our grandchildren. And so welcome, honey. I'd like you to, first of all, share um, about your own mom, Mabel Ross, and we were discussing this week how she has shown you the grace and demonstrated the grace of hospitality in, in your life. Well, my purpose today certainly is to pay tribute to my own mom. Um, I don't think any of you have ever met her. Maybe D <laughs> and Marcus. I'm trying to remember... Uh, because, of course, she's with the Lord now. But Mabel Magdalene Edmondson, so she's a German woman. But in my life, she just exudes the tribute and the gift of just giving and giving and giving. So um, after the war, my dad uh, came out of the arm. He was a, a flight lieutenant in the Royal Canadian Air Force. And they'd, he, he had been quite traumatized by the war and decided he did not want to have to move around anymore. So they, anyway, they ended up moving to Vermilion, which is 120 miles east of Edmonton, a small rural community, about five, 6,000 people. Dee's nodding her head. She's remembering. And uh, they were able to purchase about three acres. Now, that seems like huge for us now, but in those days, it was affordable. So, like, they weren't wealthy people, but they really worked hard and purchased three acres and devoted about an acre to the, to the garden. And as a little one, being the youngest one, the baby, and I had an older sister and then a brother. It was just a family thing we did. We just, Which one are you there? You oh, he's sneaking that in already. I'm the one with the ears. <laughs> I said, it's a good thing. There's hope for people that have... Uh, anyway, you, you cover your ears up. So that's my mom, and that's my sister. She's, she's very preoccupied. So who's, who's being held there? That's me, of oh, course. That's being held. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the whole thing about the garden, it wasn't just about our family. It was something that my mom and dad loved to do, and it was just an open place. 
Uh, we always would be growing raspberries and peas for the picking and lettuce and all the whole thing. You can imagine an acre full of garden. My dad developed crab trees, just to remind us not to be crabby. No. Uh, but, you know, I just remember people coming all the time. We didn't have to worry about kids raiding the garden because it was just an open place. People mm. would come, and my dad just delighted in giving them a tour. My mom was always there, and she always had extra peas or whatever. So I remember one of my main jobs at that point was picking peas and shelling the peas. And I, I don't remember ever getting bored with that monotonous mm. job, because maybe because you get a few peas on the side. So um, her work was, of course, gracious spaciousness in the home. And she was part of the Catholic community, and the Roman Catholic Church uh, appointed her as a lay apostle because she had a heart for the sick, and she ended up going into the hospitals on a regular basis taking communion, hmm. which in those days, that was in the 50s, I mean, that was, I think, fairly innovative at that point. Um, and then uh, her whole passion, which she's, I've inherited from her, was teaching. And she was an elementary school teacher for many, many years. And her focus was remedial reading and art. And the more I think about my mom, the more I think about, gosh, she downloaded a lot of stuff into my life. And so she was involved, of course, at home, in the church, in the, in the neighborhood. And my dad and her developed a special needs school because in those days they just didn't have room for kids with special needs in the regular school. So we had a lot of interesting people that came to our garden and, and sang uh, songs like Elvis Presley's song. I wish Veronica was here because I could sing that to her because she loves Elvis Presley. But my brother was into music, so we'd have people knocking on the window. I remember a guy who was a young guy, about six foot four, and his name was Tun because he was a big guy. And he would always be coming over to our house and bang, and if he couldn't get the, somebody to the door fast enough, he'd go to the kitchen, stand on the stairs and bang on the, bang on the window, and there's Tan. And then I, it was my job to bring him in, and we just played, I played Elvis Presley records, and he just did the thing, you know? <laughs> so in my life, I just realized my mom was just a giver, giver, giver. In every dimension, in the community, in the church, and, and, of course, in the school. And I just, I just realized that without my mom, there'd be a lot of things that I wouldn't have. We, and one of those things is, is uh, on our screen. Oh, and yeah. So the, these I brought. Talk, tell us what those but are. But Gordy then. said, no, no, no. We have, you know, they won't be able to see them. But, I mean, they're brightly colored. So one of the things I've inherited from my mom is um, all kinds of art samples. And this is 50 years old because she gave these things to me when I was just a budding young teacher in my 20s, and she'd been teaching for over 30 years. So a lot of these things that you can see are samples that she prepared and then passed on to me, and I have a whole box of those, which I am now happily passing on to the Montessori and more. Isn't that amazing? So I'm delighted to do that. And we, we see Mabel's uh, legacy in our Sunday morning worship, Kids Interactive. Uh, so amazing. So tell us about other women in your life who've, who, beyond the biological side, have shown you mother. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, I, I just feel our community garden reminds me of a bit 
if not a whole lot, and becoming more and more of what yeah. a little bit of my home was like yeah. in terms of having this place to be an open place. We had but, a family <laughs> yesterday who, who, they have a young child, about two years old, and uh, they've taken up a bed here and are starting to garden. And they said this place is such a gift to them because they live in a, in a condo they bought and they work downtown. But it's the only way they can take their family and garden. So oh, what a gift it's beautiful. that our, our community garden can give to families in the neighborhood. So I'll have to let Gloria know about it. And of course, uh, not all, all people have been as fortunate as myself. I recognize that. I walk daily with different women in what, when I'm working in my ESL community. And I hear and listen uh, from many others that have never had that opportunity to have a mom that's been so gracious and spacious and so uh, much of a giver and women that struggle with even recognizing they don't have a mom or their mom's been too ill or <clears throat> not capable at that point in time in their lives to actually nurture them. So in my teen years and in my 20s, I was really, at that point in time, I was involved with the Catholic Charismatic community. I was quite radically impacted and still am by Mother Teresa. Do you know that she started the House of the Dying in Calcutta, and it's been calculated that over 23,000 people that were abandoned on the streets of Calcutta were actually brought in, and like over 50-something thousand came in. So there must have been quite a significant healing of people, because not only did they clean the people uh, and treat them, but 23,000 people passed away in that House of the Dying, and it became known as the house of the pure heart. And I'm sure that Mother Teresa was referring to Jesus, the pure heart. But this is her work. And uh, her work, it wasn't so much a work that she saw as a sacrifice, mm -hmm. but as a delight to, to be able to encounter Jesus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to give them a dignified passing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So she really influenced me and mm -hmm. still does today. Mm -hmm. Never worry about number. Help one person at a time. Always start with the person nearest you. Good wisdom. Because I think we get overwhelmed sometimes with the need. And we say, if we try and do this, then we're going to burn out. Right? The other person that, um, you know, I've, I'm sure you're like me. You read and find other people that you maybe have never met. I never met Mother Teresa. And I never met Amy Carmichael. By the way, Lynn, another amazing Irish woman. <laughs> so Gordy's mom gave me this book, and um, people that have given me significant books have really impacted my life, and she became another role model. She actually looks like my mom a little bit when my mom was younger. Mm -hmm. um, she was a single woman, but again, like Mother Teresa, she became known as Ama or Mother to so many, and I don't know if you're familiar with her work. Her work was with the um, people, children basically, uh, the Tamils in India, and her passion was to rescue particularly girls, but there were also some young boys that were dedicated, even when they were babies, to the work of temple prostitution, ritual prostitution for the Hindu priests. And today, in honor of her legacy and what she was able to do and rescue all these children and, and create a, 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 a community for them to live in 
And there was a whole lot of strife involved in that, like people trying to burn their houses down, people trying to throw poison in the faces of the kids because they didn't want their children to stop being Hindus, right? It's unbelievable. But anyway, um, to this day, it is now illegal for children to be dedicated to temple prostitution, even though we know that children that are not protected are still falling into abuse and falling into this kind of... Um, but it's not, a, it's not to do with ritual temple, temple prostitution. So um, there she is. Does that child look happy? <laughs> now that child had to give up her own mom because her own mom was brainwashed into believing she's supposed to dedicate that baby to prostitution. And so I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed that someone like Jen Chu and others in our community that are getting ready to do a bike run to raise money, you know, like Roland and Belinda, I think are going to be part of that too, right, Jen? For rescuing children. So, so she became a prolific writer, Amy Carmichael, and she's written many, many books. And, of course, I love poetry. Some of you might know that. Maybe you don't. So is it time for me to read this poem that she wrote? Mother, in times of moments, hours and days... Oh, that's my poem. Sorry. It's on the I wrote my poem this morning. I don't want to um, take over Amy's poem. So let's read this. Maybe we can read this together. Could we do that? Make us thy warriors on whom thou canst depend to stand the brunt of any perilous charge on any front. Give to us skill to handle sword and spear from the rising of the morning till the stars appear. Not far from us, those stars, unseen as angels and yet looking through the quiet air, the day's transparent blue, what shall we know and feel and see and hear when the sunset colors kindle and the stars appear? Make us thy laborers. Let us not dream of ever looking back. Let not our knees be feeble, hands be slack. O make us strong to labor, strong to bear. From the rising of the morning till the stars appear. And I just want to give you that tribute that, as Gordy has said, you know, it's not just about being a mom and having your own children. I, I mean, we saw Christine up here dancing with the children and ready to make a fool of herself, even though she dances very well. But, you know, over the years, she's just been one of those kinds of people that she hasn't got her own children, but she lays her life down for our kids. And there's... I don't know, Roland and Belinda, they have a new, they look different today. And so we have, they brought uh, Roland and Belinda's kids. And you know, this is our community. We're committed to walking together, walking forward. So this morning, as I'm having a little cry, thinking about this and praying that you guys would be blessed and encouraged, I just felt a little poetic nudge coming other than blowing my nose 500 times, uh, <coughs> getting rid of this cold. So this is what I wrote about my mom, and I, I hope that it will also touch you. Mother, in times of moments, hours, and days, you were there to constantly display devotion to me, home, family, and community. 
And when you could not be my answer, you turned my sight to the higher power, where on bended knees I remember your folded hands and head so bowed in reverential entreaty. Could I be so silent not to tribute you today for all the ways you carried my heart in yours? So mothers, freely, freely may you receive, freely, freely give. Go in his name, and because you believe, others will know that he lives. Thank you, Kathleen. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought I'd read this over our women today. Um, It's probably better to do it before the kids come up. Uh, We'll call them in about five minutes. And... um, this was written, some of you have heard this or read this before. I think we've even read it in our, our service before, written by a lady named Amy Young. And it's called The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. And uh, it's just a Mother's Day blessing. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To, lo- to those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have a warm and close relationship with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse, at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned 
lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be. We grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold your child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Amen. So, normally, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we recognize that mothering transcends uh, a lot of our traditional understanding, and, but includes that. We want to celebrate the mums uh, of children who are young and giving themselves away. And of course, that's, that's an absolutely essential and critical part of the life of our community. But we also recognize the power and influence and significance that it does take a community, and it takes mums that transcend our traditional understanding of motherhood. And so we, we like to um, honor and cherish all the women who exude motherhood in various ways and expressions that show us the heart of God. And I just think of just real mothers, and I'd, I'd get in trouble if I start mentioning names, but there's just women in our church who... You just, you, just, you just laid your life down. You've just given yourself away uh, for your kids, for our kids, um, for other people's adult kids. Uh, I've been mothered by you, uh, many of you. So thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a I'm just going to invite um, just significant others, first of all, to come and take a flower, one flower. I'm not sure if we have enough for more than one per, per, per uh, woman today. And maybe somebody can just go and let the younger generation know we're ready for them. I'm sure they're ready for us. And... Uh, what would be really cool is if, if a mother is here and your family is here, is if together as a family you could come, take a flower and present it to the woman in your life, the mother in your life, and express words just of appreciation, of gratitude, of honor. And then I'd like to make sure at the same time that all the women in our church receive a flower and some words of gratitude and blessing uh, just uh, for the way that uh, they have shown you God's, God's mother heart. So, uh, so.
So Aidan's uh, honored my request for uh, some uh, U2 worship while we're doing this. And uh, he's going to play, I think, the greatest song that's ever been written. I, I, was, I was kidding around with our worship team, with Lynn today, that it's amazing how many worship songs have come out of this one song. <laughs> they, they've used the same chord progression. I think it just was downloaded straight out of heaven to Bono. Um, but uh, I think we'll just play it softly in the background. I'd love it to be cranked, but I'll, we'll discipline ourselves. Um, and uh, just wait for our kids. Welcome back, you guys. Evangeline, you're the first one. Congratulations. There's 